Well, let's do that. Let's turn back to the book of Proverbs and uh, having uh, spent some time talking about the, the main theme of Proverbs, which is the fear of the Lord, we're going to get into the rest of the section of this uh, of this book. Um, you may remember from the, the introduction that um, Proverbs has uh, has context for the first 10 chapters, and uh, meaning you're going to read it and it's going to flow, and then after that, um, all wheels come off, and and it's it's uh, it has very little context. There are th- some thematic connections, but um, so we're going to look at the book of Proverbs basically verse by verse for these first ten chapters, and then when we get to that next section, uh, we'll probably move to more of a topical uh, study, which will actually be kind of fun. Uh, Proverbs is a great uh, book. Um, in fact, if, if you've ever said, hey, I, I want to I do a study on this topic, you know, some topic that uh, has come to your attention in life or uh, through uh, something that you're learning, Proverbs is a great book to do that. Uh, just to open it up, and uh, there are, are uh, great resources that um, sort of break Proverbs down thematically or topically that can aid us in a study like that. But uh, that's, that's a really fruitful study, and I encourage you, if you've never done that, to try that sometime. So where are we? We're in Proverbs uh, chapter 1. We've talked about the fear of the Lord, uh, the theme in chapter 1, verse 7. And the section we're going to look at today is starting in verse 8. So what I want to do is just um, uh, read this section to you, and then as is our habit, we'll go through it verse by verse and uh, learn along the way as we go, okay? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. My son, if sinners enticed you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol, even whole as those who go down to the pit. We will find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse." My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. For their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread the baited net in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. All right, so there's our first section. Uh, let's uh, take it apart together. You have an outline. They, they came in a little late, so if you didn't get an outline, there should be some there in the back. Um, but the title of the message today is Fatherhood and Friends. And uh, that's really the, the two main themes we see in this section here. And we're going to talk about both of those topics in our time today. Notice, first of all, right out of the gate that we have a conversation, that Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, we, we, are, we are launched by way of the book, we are launched into a conversation. It's, it's almost as if, as the Holy Spirit works inspiring this text, that, that we are transported to be a fly on the wall of Solomon's living room. Right? We're, we're there, we get to look over the shoulder of the wisest man, uh, who ever lived because God gave him that special gift of wisdom. But, but notice, uh, we, we might be intimidated by that and say, well, there, there's nothing I can relate to there. And yet, right, right from the very start here, there is a context, there's a setting, there is a responsibility that many of us here w- would readily be able to relate to. And that is the task of parenthood. Notice in chapter 1, verse 8, 
that we get to eavesdrop on a conversation between a father and his children. And I want you to see, as we get to unpack the book of Proverbs more, that, that there, is, there is great learning, there is great instruction to be gained here if you're a parent. Not just because of the content of what we're going to learn, the information that we learn, but because of the things that are assumed in the, in the delivering of this book. And let me just explain to you what I mean. Check this out. Wisdom according to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, begins where? In the home. That's where it's supposed to, to start. And, and we can think, and we don't want to do this because there's enough discouragement in the world today, but we, if we could just think back to the last hundred years how the, the center point, the, the hub of community has shifted from the family to all sorts of other places. Have you noticed that that historical shift? And sociologists write about this, and you know some of them think it's great, some of them think it's terrible. But but it, it is a fact that society used to be more centered on families, moms and dads and children, and in in that unit, um, God's instruction, God's training takes place. And yet with the feminist movement, with the breakup of the family, with the rise of divorce, and, and all of these sort of things, the, the family has suffered more in the last hundred years uh, probably than most other times in history, at least in recent history of our country. And so what we've seen is that the center point of, of where God is, is intending for wisdom to be delivered, that's all been shattered in today's culture. And yet we need to come back to God's design. God's design, God's plan is that wisdom would start in the home. And that's one of the reasons that as a church, as a spiritual family, one of the things we do is try to come alongside, um, you know, the families of our church and strengthen one another so that we can do and be what God calls us to do in our homes. But wisdom begins in the home. It, it doesn't, it's not the place of, uh, the, the, the school system, right? That, that's not the, it's not the government's job to give wisdom. It, it's not something that's supposed to be gained through some you know, community club or something like that. Those are all good things, and we're thankful for those. But wisdom starts in the home. Notice even wisdom is not primarily, hang on, it doesn't even primarily start in the church. It starts in the family. And then the church comes alongside and supports and supplements what the family is doing. And we see right out of the gate here, God's primary delivery vehicle for wisdom. What is it? The UPS of wisdom in God's economy is dad. It's dad. Now, you want to shock a society. You want to bring gasps to the culture. What did you just say? God's primary delivery vehicle of wisdom to children, to their families, is, is, I said dads, God's primary delivery vehicle is dad, it's a father. And that, that is so radical, that is so challenging, that is so difficult. But men, if we're dads, if we're granddads, we need to come back to God's design and not let societal molds or cultural trends determine what our role is. God says, Dad, it's your job to take on the responsibility to deliver and impart wisdom to your children. And as we're going to see elsewhere in the book and in uh, the, the Bible as a whole, even to grandchildren. 
even to great-grandchildren. It's not like it stops when your kids leave the home. Okay, so that's that's the delivery vehicle. And, and we see the same thing. Uh, we won't turn there uh, for sake of time right now, but I bet some of you could probably even quote this verse. We'll come back to this at some point. Who remembers Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4? It's one of only two verses in the whole New Testament about parenting. Now, I'm a parent. Many of you are parents. And do you think that we needed more than two verses in the whole New Testament to figure out this thing? Oh, there's, there's, there's a wealth of wisdom, though, in those two verses. Do you remember Ephesians 6, verse 4? You're staring at me like, there's a book in the Bible called Ephesians, really? Yes, there is. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, I'll start it for you. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not, exasperate your children. Do not provoke them to anger, but bring them up. In the admonition and instruction of the Lord. That's right. And what we're gonna, this is so neat. What we're going to see is that verse in Ephesians 6 verse 4 really finds its root and its origin in the book of Proverbs. And, and to some degree in, um, in uh, Deuteronomy and other places that we see this. But it's, it's the parallel idea. Now notice, now, now, now moms, I love you, okay? So the Bible is not downplaying your role here. But notice something that is exegetically significant, meaning something that is important that we ought to take notice about in the text. It does not say, mothers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. And and again, not saying mom has a very important role. We'll talk about that, okay? But the Bible is putting the weight of responsibility for parenting, for training children, for imparting wisdom on the shoulders of dad. Okay? And we need to come back to embracing God's design to helping men, to training men to do that. Uh, Some of us as men did not have an example to follow. Or maybe we had a bad example to follow, and we look at this parenting thing, and we go, I don't have the first idea what to do. My wife is way more qualified to do this. We'll just let her do it. And yet, guys, as men, that's not God's, that's not God's design. God's design is but by His grace, by leaning on Him, by being a student of the Scripture, by growing in our own walk with God, that we would take up the mantle of parenthood and assume the responsibility for the caring of our children. Okay, so it's about Father, God's primary delivery vehicle of wisdom and parental training. Now, now notice this. I just want you to notice some... These, this is in the white spaces of, of our text here, okay? It's there, but it's assumed rather than explicit, okay? So let, let's just... Can we learn some things about parenthood here? Can we learn dads? Can we just kind of huddle up as a team of dads and say, what can we learn about fatherhood from this text let's just look here notice first of all hear my son your father's instruction you know what that means dad is with his children dad is with his children you cannot have this conversation if dad's always somewhere else he's always out working he's always in the garage he's always on the golf course he's always with his buddies he's always doing whatever he's with his children now now understand understand that Men are called to be the providers of the home also. In fact, uh, Timothy's gonna, or Paul's going to tell Timothy that if a man doesn't provide for his own, especially those for his own household, he's abandoned the faith. And he's worse than an unbeliever. 
Okay, so we're not saying, you know, dad's not, not providing for the family. What, what it's saying is there has to be a balance between the provision where he is outside the home, earning an income to provide for his family, and being in the home with his children, with his wife. Notice also, he's not just with his children, he engages children. He's having a, okay, you want to shock American culture? Dad is having a serious conversation with his children. And he's not yelling. He's not cutting up and making a joke. He's having a serious conversation with his children. You see that? What a, what a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture that we need to rediscover. Whether you're a dad or a grandparent or a great-grandparent, or maybe you're not any of those things. Do you know some short people? Are you a guy and you know some children? Maybe the Awana ministry, maybe Sunday school, maybe just kids you've met here on Sunday morning. You can play a role like this that is supplementary but just as important. So dad is there and he's engaging the children. He's not on his phone. He's not on the computer. He's not watching Sports Center. He, he, he's there. And, and uh, Terry, Terry, I remember years ago when I first came to the church, Terry had a great expression that's helped me as a dad. It's a question someone asked him, and, uh, and he used to say it on our elder board all the time. He says, Dad, when you're home, are you home? Right? Which means, well, watch this, I can be bodily present, but mentally I can be way somewhere else, can't I? So are you home when you're home? He's with his children. He is gauged. His children. Notice this. Shocking. He takes the initiative to teach and train children. He does not assume, as so many American men do, and even, hang on, even so many Christian men, that that's mom's job, or that's the church's job, or it's the youth ministry's job. He sits down and he takes initiative to teach and train children. That's what, see, it's in the white spaces here. It's assume this is just what's going on. Hear my son, your father's instruction. He's with his kids. He's engaging his kids. He's taking the initiative with them to teach them and train them. Notice also, children don't automatically come into the world as listeners. Have you noticed this? In fact, they're very good at barking out orders when they want something, and ignoring you if you want something. So watch this. The very first word, shamay, hear. It's, it's where, um, you guys remember um, Deuteronomy 6.4, the, uh, the, um, the declaration of Israel's faith called the Shema. You've heard that before, right? Same word here. Listen. Hear, pay attention, and, and, and notice that <laughs> it's so obvious. If you're a parent, you're laughing right now, right? It's so obvious. It's like th- this could be your living room or my living room. You've got to get them together. You've got to have them turn off the iPad. You've got them close the book, put down the action figure, come out of the backyard, put the football down, look them in the eye and says, son, we need to talk about something. My daughter, you need to listen to your dad. I have something very important to communicate. 
There's that. The, he trains them to listen. That just doesn't automatically happen. You know, if you don't do that, you end up talking to the wall. It's like the Phoenix character. Remember the, the, the teacher in the Phoenix character? It's just gobbledygook. There, there's no meaning. Children hear audible sound, but it is not intelligible unless you teach them how to listen. Right? And again, uh, many of you are not in this stage of life anymore. You're in the grandparent stage of life. What, what a great opportunity to do the same thing. When you're babysitting for mom and dad, you want to bless your son or your daughter, your son-in-law, your daughter-in-law, reinforce helping children to learn to listen when an adult, when an authority figure speaks to them. It's a great thing to do. Because, because if you don't get there, everything else that's going to happen here is not going to matter a bit because they're not going to be listening, right? Notice this. He trains children to take seriously his instruction. Okay, so eye contact is being made. But do you think that child naturally thinks that what dad has to say is more important than the PlayStation? No, of course not. He wants to get back to his video game. And so there has to be instruction here in training. Son, what I'm about to say is important. In fact, we're going to see how he does that here. This is genius how he does this. But he helps his son and his daughter to see that wisdom is more valuable than any other commodity in the world. Even as an 8-year-old, even as a 12-year-old, to have wisdom is way more valuable. And our dad here, Solomon, is going to show us how to do that. But he trains the children to take seriously his instruction. Notice this. He trains children not to dismiss, literally our Bible says not to forsake, teaching from parents. You see that there? Hear, my son, your father's instruction, verse 8, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. What does that tell you? What does that tell you about kids? Parents, talk to me here. Come on. What what does that tell us about kids? What's that? That is what they do, right? Thanks, Dad. And then you come back, and it's like you never had the conversation anymore, right? Is that how it goes? So you have to train them to listen. You have to train them to value the importance of what you're teaching them. And then you have to train them to not dismiss it too quickly. You might need this in your life. We're doing a a brand new study. We just finished Genesis with our kids in our family worship time. Uh, We just started a brand new study on friendships. Because uh, the Palmer House is the the Mecca of friends in Toller. I mean, it it, it is the YMCA of Toller. Okay, because kids just congregate. It's like, where are you from? Oh, I live over there. Okay, great. You know, what's your name? And it's like every day. Does, does this happen? Right? Lisa's laughing. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, I love that they come to our house because we get to get to know them and hang out with them. But, but you know, friend conversations are pretty normal in our house because all these friends are here. And, you know, what, what do you do if a friend tells you to do this? What do you, you know, if a friend says, hey, look at this on my phone. If a, a friend starts cussing up a storm, if, if, if they're saying, hey, let's go do this horrible, terrible, no good, very bad thing. You know, what is it? What do you do? And children need to see that the things that mom and dad are going to talk to them about are things that are going to help them in life and deal with situations like that. That's what we were talking about last night. You know, what do you do if one of your friends says, hey, let's go do this? And in that moment, your your biblically informed conscience kicks in and you go, I shouldn't do that. And yet, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Right? Or they make fun of you. You want them to like you. What are you going to do in that moment? And that's where the wisdom of Proverbs is so helpful. So dad is training his children not to dismiss, not to write off teaching. It's like, okay, great, what's for lunch? No, 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 son, listen. 
You're going to need, you're going to need this today when your friends come over. So don't dismiss it. And notice, a dad trains his children to listen to their mother. Don't miss that, guys. That is so, so important. It is dad's job to help establish and reinforce that mom has equal authority and influence in the home that just because you're not there, dad, doesn't mean, children, that you blow off what mom's saying. It is dad's job to train his children to take their mother seriously and to see her as that co-equal authority in the home. What she says should be just as weighty as what he says, and vice versa. But notice, and guys, this is, this is, and, and, and moms are probably saying amen here, okay? But notice whose job it is to establish that and to maintain that. It's dad's job to do that. You see that? Now, that was all in the white space. Isn't that amazing? That's all... That's all assumed from a biblical worldview of parents. But in our culture, we cannot assume any of those things, can we? Those are all things that, in a sense, we are having to rediscover as Christian parents today. Now notice, notice the content of his instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Notice, first of all, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. This is, this is one of the most important words in Proverbs. So we're going to pull the car over for a minute and talk about it, okay? It's, it's the word. I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the Hebrew word, not because, you know, this is the, you know, Hebrew Bible study or anything like that, but because it gets translated so many ways in the book of Proverbs, I want to show you the root word so that anytime we see it, I'm going to say, hey, that's that word. That's that word, okay? And, and you, you can get this, okay? Do you want me to write it in English or Hebrew? It's the word musar. Musar. Can you say that? Say that. Musar. Okay, see, you learned a Hebrew word today. And, and really what it means, what it means is training. Now, the reason that this is so important that we understand this is... The word musar has three aspects to it. And depending on the context, it might be one of these three aspects. But this is what, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you train children in Awana or Sunday school or something like that, um, you, you need to get this. There is so much help in child training in just this one little word. And you're, you're going to recognize it, okay? But this word can mean three things depending on the context. Okay. First of all, musar can mean instruction. And that is the sense in which it's being used here. Hear my son, your father's instruction. That is the giving of guidance, the giving of rules, the giving of advice. That there is the impartation of information designed to help a child to make good decisions that honor God and, and are uh, uh, helpful for loving neighbors. So it, it's instruction. Okay. Now, the second way that this word is used is it also means correction. It can be used to mean correction. And this is the word that gets translated discipline in the book of Proverbs, which, as you know, is a theme. Now, the, there's an instructional component of Musar. There's a corrective opponent, component. And the corrective component 
is the word that can actually mean physical chastisement. Okay, this is the use of the rod. This this is a spanking. That's that's where this that that second aspect of the word for correction. One expression of correction can be the the use of the rod or some sort of physical reinforcement uh, there in the training process. But but this this is this is a world of help though. Okay, because you know some of you grew up in uh, you know the, you know spanking is what you do generation, and then some of you you know today spanking is not the thing you do depending on you know you kind of. You know, where's the psychological wind blowing? And then that determines how you parent today, right? But notice that the use of a spanking or the use of the rod according to the Bible is not what most people think. It's not you did the crime, now you do the time. That's that's not the philosophy. What is it? It's a means of training. See? The the, the rod of spanking is a means for training children. It's it's not an end in and of itself. And and that's so helpful to think about why and how we parent. And then the third component of Musar is warning. And I would suggest to you that just based on that one word, those are the three main roles of a parent in the home, aren't they? A parent instructs, a parent corrects, and a parent warns. And we're going to see all three of those happening all throughout the book of Proverbs. Now, again, you don't have to be a parent. You can be a grandparent and say, this will preach, man, to your brain, your grandkids, won't it? I mean, this, this will work. Uh, you can be involved in Awana. You can be involved in children's church. You know, whatever you do, find a short person and instruct them, correct them, and warn them. Because we need to work together to accomplish this sort of thing. Now that's what the word training means. It's translated instruction in chapter 1 verse 8. It's musar. means training. By the way, the verse that we quoted in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the... What's the next word? Some Bibles say admonition, some say discipline, some, some say fear. You know, you know what word it is? Honestly, it's paideia. You say, that doesn't help me. You know, what is paideia? Paideia is the Greek equivalent of musar. It's the same word. Bring them up in the training of the Lord. It's the same thing. Instruction, correction, warning. All those things are bound up in that one. Now look at the next word. Instruction. See, look back to chapter 1, verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. See that word there, teaching? You guys know that word too. You're going to learn two Hebrew words today. Musar means what? Training. You know what word this is? Torah. You know that word, don't you? What's Torah? We think of the Torah as the first five books of the Old Testament. We typically think them as law. And, and law is a legitimate translation of Torah. But you know what it just means in general? It doesn't always mean the particular law of God, the first five books, the Mosaic law. That's not what always what it, what it means. Sometimes Torah, and actually most often Torah, is used generally to just describe God's instructions. So you have, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, His directions, His rules, His guidelines. And that's what, that's what uh, Solomon as a dad here is doing. Hear my son, your father's instruction, his training. Do not forsake your mother's teaching, her instructions. 
And it's interesting, in studying this word, one of my dictionaries, uh, TWOT, the Theological Word Book of the Old Testament, says that, and I thought this was such a great, a great quote for a lexicon, okay? You don't usually get great quotes in a lexicon, but here's one, okay? Discipline, in terms of training, education, discipline is education that is theocentric. You say, what's that mean? Well, look at the verse that we just came from. Look at chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So when he sits down to instruct his children, this isn't some information or instruction that is disconnected. It is training and instruction that is rooted where? In the fear of the Lord. It is theocentric, meaning it revolves around the center that is God himself. Okay, discipline is education that is theocentric. Okay? Now notice also, I, I said, we can impart wonderful biblical wisdom to our kids and they'll go, oh, thanks dad, where are my Pop-Tarts? You know, and then they're, that, that, that's the extent of their thought. So we have to train them now to the value of this. Look at verse 9. Watch how he trains his children to the value. He says, indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments, literally necklaces, neck chains around your neck. Instruction and teaching from parents are a graceful wreath and ornaments or neck chains about your neck. What does that mean? Children must be trained to see the great value of wisdom. Now, in this culture, children have enough sense that if there was a gold chain around a person's neck, they said, you know, that probably cost a lot of money. That They had that level of understanding. And Solomon is saying, wisdom is like that. It's valuable. It's expensive. It's something that you want to save up for and get because it's valuable and you need it. So he uses that little word picture there to communicate that. And and can I just say as a dad, that's a great challenge. It's a great challenge to compete with Batman. I mean, it really is. It's a great challenge to compete with, with all sorts of fun things in the world. But we have to find ways, as Solomon does, to help them to see the value of the wisdom that they're seeing. By the way, some of that, and we're going to see this, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but some of that is contextual. When your child is dealing with a disappointment, that is a great opportunity to show them how lots of their stuff, as awesome as Batman is, cannot help them. That little plastic action figure is not going to console them. Is not going to help them to see what to do in a situation. It's not going to help them to deal with the brokenness and hurt of friends that abandon them or say unkind things to them. It's not going to help them to deal with the loss of a parent or, or a grandparent who passes away. Uh, you know, those moments where our kids are struggling are the occasion really to show them the value of God's wisdom. Because wisdom will do something in that moment that all the stuff a child has cannot and will not ever do. And so as a parent, our parenting radar looks for situations like that and locks in and says, hey, here's an opportunity I have to help them see the value of God's word. Okay, notice, let's talk about now the warning of friends. Talk about fatherhood and wisdom. Let's talk about warning about friends. And this, this takes up the bulk of our section here, so let's see how far we can get here. The Bible teaches, according to the book of Proverbs, that children have two main enemies. 
two main enemies, and it's the parent's job to instruct them and inform them and help them to be wise about the danger of these two enemies. Now, just between you and me, these are the same two enemies that you and I have. Okay? Same two enemies. Um, But I want you to see this unfold in Proverbs. There is the enemy without external enemies like bad friends, like drunkards, like the immoral woman that we're going to see in Proverbs chapter 5 and following. There are those external threats, the things that come at us in this ungodly broken world. Okay? But notice also, and you know, there are, there are whole parenting books written on that. Right? You, you can shelter your children to keep them innocent of every threat that's out there. Here's my simple seven-step process, right? And there have been dozens of books written like that. What's the problem with that? The problem with that, it is not built on a biblical anthropology, meaning it is not built on a biblical view of man, of people. Because our Bible says, you know what? Yes, there are threats, there are dangers, there are challenges out there. We need to look out for them. And part of parenting is, yes, sheltering our children appropriately from that. But the biggest enemy is not what's out there, it's what's what's in here foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child this book is going to tell us they're cute they're adorable and they're depraved they're wicked they're cute sinners but they're sinners and that's part of parenting is recognizing the biggest threats to my children is not our things that are out there. It's things that are already in here. They're born with those things. And frankly, the only reason that those external dangers are any sort of threat is that those external dangers resonate with dangers and threats and a disposition that is already hardwired in here for wickedness. So parents are alert to both. And we don't ignore one or the other. Now notice that the danger that Solomon is about to reveal here is not an internal threat, it's an external threat. Did you notice that? Let's look at the text here. Um, Verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol. Even whole as those who go down to the pit. We will find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us, we shall have one purse. There's the threat, right? It's external. It's friends. It's bad friends. The danger is what? What's the danger? Yeah, it could be that they go join this group of bad friends. But the biggest danger, if you're a parent, is the competing voice of that other crowd. In fact, guys, so much of parenting is figuring out what are the other voices of influence in my child's life that are competing with my voice, my wife's voice, which is the voice, hopefully, of the Word of God being ministered to them. And you know, sometimes we lose the battle in parenting because we fail to identify what are those other voices. And those other voices begin to be louder than our voice. Our, those other voices are more influential than our voice. And it's like, why is my influence diminishing? But that boyfriend, that girlfriend, the guys they hang out with on the football team, that club, 
that they're involved in at their school. Whatever it is. Sometimes, sometimes, can I say this? Those kids at church. You guys understand? Just because kids come to a church doesn't make them immune to depravity. You know? It's like you walk in the door, and okay, you're, you're not a sinner anymore. And there's some parents that act like that. You know, they, they bring their kids to the church and then they're surprised that there's sin in the youth group. Of course there's sin in the youth group. The youth group is made up of sinners. So I, I don't, I'm not saying there, there isn't a wise way to handle that and we're not shepherding people. Of course we're doing all those things. But that's the danger. The danger is competing counsel. And in this case, it's the persuasion. And notice, Solomon is going to tell them, don't go do that because they're going to get you into a lot of trouble. But notice, that's not his first counsel. His first counsel is what? Don't listen to them. See through the deception of their bad counsel. Don't listen to them. Don't buy into what they're saying. Son, I'm going to show you why what they're saying is deceitful and wrong. But listen, don't listen to them. Don't, don't, don't give them your attention. Okay? There's the fatherly counsel. Don't consent. Don't listen. Don't go along with it. Now notice, notice this. Here we go again. Shocking cultural dad alert, right? You ready for this? Dad is already educated about the threats that his children are facing. Do you, you see that? Guys, we've, we've got to be one step ahead of our children in terms of the threats and the things going out there around them. We, we can't be ignorant. We cannot be clueless because our attention is somewhere else. And I, there's a world. We could do a whole sermon on that, couldn't we? A whole series on that. Dads, we, we've got to, what is it, guys, what is it going to take to know what's going on out there? What is it going to take? That, that might mean we have to do some research. It may mean we have to hang out with their friends once in a while. It may mean we have to show up and watch how the coach talks to them. It may mean that we talk and, and, and you know, if, if, uh, if mom and dad can work together in this, that's even better. I mean, th- this is a tag team effort, right? As much as that's possible, Mom and dad working together is ideal. Uh, we understand some people are not in that situation, and God gives extra grace. If, if you're parenting alone, God's going to give you grace to help to do that. But there needs to be education about the threats. Dad cannot be ignorant of the threats of his children. And that's not... Good night. What's going to happen if you're a soldier? You guys, you guys hearing about what's going on in Mosul right now? Okay, that, that whole battle going on to kind of retake that city. What would, what would happen if those soldiers went in there and they had no clue about who the enemy was? I, 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 I see, I, no, ISIS, right? ISIS is that drink you get at Target, right? The, the little thing. Um, it's a threat, right? What are their plans? Where are those strongholds? What are their weapons? What's their strategy? How many troops do they have? Where, where are their outposts? All that intelligence is needed to wage war and succeed. And dad has the same job. There is intelligence that needs to be gathered in order for this to happen. So dad's educated about that. Okay. Now notice here the enticement of sinners. And, and uh, you know what? That's, a, that's actually a good place to stop. Okay. So we'll just stop here with the thought that we need to be educating ourselves about the threats to children. 
And uh, we'll come back next time and uh, we'll see this threat unfold. By the way, this is interesting. Um, put your notes in your Bible real quick and, and give, me, give me like 30 more seconds, okay? Because I just thought of this. Great, thanks. Okay. Um, Dad even knows what the other people are saying. You notice that? It's, it's not... It's not that he says, well, I know, I know there's some bad people out there and sometimes they tell you to do bad things. He's like, let me quote them for you, okay? You see, that, that's how much dad has his head in the game. And, and I think, men, if, if we would have – just say it like this. We all have things we enjoy, whether it's sports, whether it's hobbies, whether it's uh, friends. And most of us are pretty educated, when it comes to sports statistics, our golf game, our favorite hobby. Can we just, as guys, can we just challenge ourselves today to have just as much interest, just as much study, just as much work to learn things in the threats that our children are going to face than in those favorite hobbies or sports that we enjoy? We, we, we have got to do that. And again, if your children are out of the home, um, you know what, there is a role for you as a man here. And that role is to help these other parents here, these younger parents. You guys, many of you are in a season of life where you're, you're experienced parents. And, and the rookies like me and some of the other younger parents in the room, we need you guys. We need you to come alongside and help us and say, hey, have you thought about this? Have you, have you seen this? This happened in, in our home and this is how we dealt with it. Or, or maybe this happened in our home, we weren't ready for it and we learned the hard way. And, and we, we need to come alongside one another and help accomplish this sort of thing. And I praise God that we have a church where I think that's already happening. Uh, that, that happens in our Sunday, on our Friday morning men's group. It happens on Wednesday night. It happens in our men's ministry here. So praise God for that. Let's keep up the good work and let's, let's uh, educate ourselves about these threats that our children are facing uh, so that we can parent them and shepherd them accordingly. Okay, let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for the challenge of this section. And uh, Lord, there is so much about fatherhood here that is literally unheard of in our society and culture. Father, I pray that you would raise up men in this place, men that are being these types of dads, and men that would come alongside the dads of our church, men, older men that have parented and have learned and have wisdom, and they would come alongside the the younger dads here and help us. Lord, I pray that uh, you would work in families, and we would see that your delivery vehicle, your tailor-made, designed delivery vehicle of wisdom is a father. And Lord, might we rise to the occasion as men, might we come alongside others that need to do that, parents, grandparents, even great-grandparents, so that we can train our, our, our children to love you and to fear you and to walk in your ways. Lord, will you give us grace in this dark hour to do that? In Christ's name we pray, amen.